wonderful passage in Isaiah 9 and verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And then he goes on to say, and the zeal, the passion of God will accomplish this. But the chapter begins with the children of Israel and the nation of Israel facing incredible darkness and horror and oppression, some of it because they'd walked away from God. And I want you to listen to the words because they echoed in the gospel accounts of Christ's coming. Isaiah says, nevertheless, despite all that's gone on and is going on and will go on, nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. And I believe that's a word for some people here, whether you're online, watching here in the auditorium, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light and those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And with just one word, nevertheless, Isaiah erases the gloomy darkness that has covered the nation and covered the people. And he foresees a dawn, a great light that will bring hope for those who live in the land of deep darkness and despair. But the question is, and we already know the answer, how will this come to pass? And Isaiah lifts the veil of revelation on the future and describes a royal child of hope who is to be born. And the promise is fulfilled in the conception and then in the birth of Jesus that we celebrate today. Matthew puts it this way, Matthew 1 and verse 23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I love something that Max Licardo said with regard to this moment when God in Christ stepped out of eternity and into time and into a virgin's womb. Heaven opened herself and placed her most precious one in a human womb. The omnipotent in one instant made himself breakable and he who had been spirit became pierceable. He who was larger than the universe became an embryo. And he who sustains the world with a word chose to depend upon the nourishment of a young girl. God had come near, Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah tells us this royal child who will do all of this, one name is not sufficient to describe all that he will do and all that he'll accomplish through his incarnation, his life, his death, and then his resurrection and ascension. And he introduces us, as it were, to a child with five names. And there's many other titles given to Jesus. But listen to these words again. For to us, a child is born. And to us, to you, to us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
and the Prince of Peace. I just want to touch on each of those names. Wonderful Counselor. There's wisdom available to each and every one of us in the name Jesus, the Wonderful Counselor. And Jesus, as the Wonderful Counselor, is always available. He's never too busy. You can never inconvenience Him. He will comfort, He will guide, He will advise, He will inspire, He will lead. Isaiah later says this, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on Him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, and the Spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. James says, if you lack wisdom, just ask God. And it comes not from an intellectual pursuit and there's nothing wrong with thinking through and working through and praying through. But there's this gift of wisdom that comes from Jesus to counsel, to advise, to direct. And if you're facing an aspect of uncertainty, confusion, He's a wonderful counsellor. He's a wonderful counsellor. You see, Jesus understands us as creator, but he also understands us as the incarnate son who experienced life in every dimension. The scripture says, just as we did for him, yet without sin. And therefore he is the source of wisdom and he actually knows what is best for your life. He also knows, according to Romans 8 verse 28, how to weave all the things together, even the awful things, the terrible things that may have touched your life this year or even in the past. For we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and those who have been called according to His purpose. The ability of the wonderful counsellor to weave things and bring out something wonderful and good that started off as painful and terrible. He's also the mighty God. Not only is there wisdom in His name, there's power in His name. And what a paradox that a babe in the manger should be called mighty God. The word mighty there can also be translated champion or or hero. And Jesus is victorious over all things, over sin and death. In 1 Corinthians 15, and this is a declaration, and maybe if you're in a place of struggle and uh, feel like you are defeated in an area of your life, or perhaps all of life is overwhelming. Paul says this, because of the power of this child who died and then was resurrected, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The victory is not in your strength, in your ability, your cleverness. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can find victory because He's the mighty God. But one of the things that to me is even more compelling about Jesus' identity as mighty God is that His power covers our weaknesses. You see, we often think we've got to become strong enough for God to help us. But the exact opposite is actually true. It's in the acknowledgement of our frailty, of our weakness, that He becomes powerful. And Paul struggled with something and he agonised over something. And he says this in 2 Corinthians, which I think captures the very essence of Jesus as the mighty God who covers our weaknesses and changes us from the inside out. When he struggled and prayed for something to be taken away, this is what the Lord said to him. He said, my grace is sufficient for you and my power 
is made perfect in weakness. It's made perfect in our frailty, in our inability. And this is not talking about taking on a victim mentality, but just of leaning in in those moments where you go, I don't know where to go, what to do. God says, in that weakness, my power will be demonstrated. Paul goes on to say, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. Isn't that an interesting statement? We do anything but delight in weakness. In fact, we love to tell others perhaps our strength or our ability, not our weakness. But Paul says, no, I discovered something. When I acknowledge my weakness, whether in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong because of Christ's power in me. So his... There's wisdom in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. But he's also the everlasting father. There's provision in his name. Seems an awkward phrase that Jesus is the everlasting father. But the more literal translation is the Hebrew is that he's the father of eternity. He's the possessor, the protector. And Jesus became a child in time through his birth, but he's the father, the possessor of eternity. And that has extraordinary significance to your life, to my life, to our lives. Somebody called Hans Urs von Latteschar said something very profound. You'd want to say it with a name like that. (laughs) He said, Christmas is not an event within history, but rather the invasion of time by eternity. (laughs) That in Christ's coming, the child born, the son eventually to be given, eternity invaded time and therefore it invades your time and my time. We're no longer bound just to this thing called time. Jesus is Lord of time and eternity. And therefore your and my times are in his hands. He says this in Revelation 1 in this incredible appearance to John, who's in the spirit and on the Lord's day. He says, I'm Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and is to come, the Almighty. He's saying, John, no matter what is going on in your life, I'm in the beginning, I'm in the middle, and I'm also in the end, and I'm the Almighty. I can do something about your times. In Jesus, the eternal God entered time, and He also invades our lives if we invite Him to do so, to implant eternity in our hearts. And the real wonder of Christmas, in a sense, is that what took place when he stepped into time and born in a major, Emmanuel, God with us, he can do that individually within every single heart. And I'm gonna give an opportunity towards the end of this message, which is not too far away, relax, for you to say, yeah, I want that impartation of eternity, of Christ, the eternal one, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was and who is and who is to come to take hold of my times, my life. A little bit later in the same chapter, 
the same thought of He's the Father, the Master, the Possessor of eternity. When I saw Him, John says, I fell at His feet as though dead. And then He placed His right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead and look now I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Fear not is an encouragement to any child of God. No matter what you're facing, whatever anxiety you may have or is gripping your heart, Jesus, the master of eternity and time, says, fear not. And we fear not because He's the living one. He's alive, He's real. He invades our lives in every sense, in the positive way that, of reaching in and being able to change and transform. We need not fear death because He died and He conquered death and He's alive. And we need not fear eternity because He holds the keys of death and Hades. He's the Prince of Peace. There's rest in His name. There's wisdom in His name. There's power in His name. There's eternity in His name, provision. But there is rest in His name. He's the Prince of Peace. In the Hebrew, it's Shah Shalom. And Shah means Lord or Chief or General. Shalom is more than just sleep, a good night's sleep. Although that's helpful at some times, isn't it? But it means tranquility, wholeness, completeness, blessing. And in a sense, you could paraphrase that and say he's the captain of rest, the captain of rest. And peace is a person, his name's Jesus. Peace is not about circumstances. In Ephesians 2.14, it says, for he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. And we find no peace in reality outside of Christ Himself because peace is a person. And when you embrace Jesus, you embrace peace amongst many other things. Jesus gives us His peace. I love the words in John, and I'm reading from a modern translation here, John 14, 27. He says, I'm giving you my own peace. And I don't give gifts in the way the world does. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be fearful. I'm giving you my own peace. And I don't give gifts as the world does, he says. I give a peace that lasts, a peace that conquers circumstances and troubling times. And so we need peace from God, but we also need peace with God. The Prince of Peace to become your Lord and Saviour. He's the Lord of Peace. And when you make Him Lord, then that peace is yours. Peace in your circumstance, but peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done. You don't have to do anything except receive Him. And in so doing, receive forgiveness and cleansing, the gift of eternal life and peace with God and peace from God. 
Look what somebody said. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need was pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was and is forgiveness. So God sent us a Saviour. His name is Jesus. And I want to ask you very simply, have you said yes to the Prince of Peace? Because the Bible says, A child was born so that as a son, he could be given to lay down his life, to die on a cross for your sin, for mine, for ours. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. 